0: drowned and wow I mean just listening to that title alone what an ominous ominous title that is for a series well I mean it sounds so dark but the reality is this we all have moments in our lives where we do feel broken where we feel like we are possibly drowning in life and I just want to ask you this morning I want to ask how many of you, at some point in your life, so far, so if you 're a teenager up to now in your teenage life, if you 're an adult up to now in your adult life, have you ever been to the point where you felt like you were broke or you not not financially, although that could apply, but just emotionally or in life you felt like, let me see if you are with me. Uh, How many of you have felt broke? How many of you have felt um, as well like you were drowning in some area of your life? And my hand is up as well because that includes me. All right, now we can put our hands down. I, I am glad that I'm not the only one, and I want to let you know in advance And this has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with Stuttgart Harvest Church, but this series, over the course of the next five weeks, this series, it's going to rock. It's going to be important in your life. God is described to us as a combination of perfect grace and at the same time, perfect truth. God is also described to us as creator. And God's creation, as he created it, was perfect. And that put us in a perfect us overall, mankind, Adam and Eve specifically, (laughs) in a perfect relationship with truth. A perfect relationship with grace. That means it was a perfect relationship with our creator. A perfect relationship with with God. Now, I just want to give you a heads up, a little promo here. In September, we're going to do an entire series on the seven days of creation. And wow, I hope you will be a part of that. September, just remember that. September creation. Now, soon after God created, we don't know how long, the Bible doesn't record that, but soon after creation... In the Garden of Eden, God's perfect creation broke. And that also means that God's perfect relationship with Adam and Eve also broke. Because Adam and Eve chose to follow their own way, their own thoughts, their own decisions, apart from God, against God actually, their relationship in that moment with God Their relationship, let me be very specific, their relationship with God, their relationship with grace, their relationship with truth, in that moment, it broke. We often think of it breaking with God. But in that moment, they also lost all grace. They lost all truth. Grace and truth in that moment when they sinned, when they chose their own way, grace and truth was replaced with guilt and shame. Now, we are a lot more familiar with guilt and shame than we are with grace and truth, aren't we? If you raised your hand with me a moment ago, you probably know exactly what I'm thinking about. Now, at the same time, that their relationship, their perfect relationship with grace and truth, with God, broke. At the very same time, their relationship with each other broke. And from that point on, from that point to this moment right now, and from that point All the way into our future, when that moment comes, that point in time comes, when Jesus comes back to set up his eternal kingdom. So from that point, when the relationship to grace and truth broke, and the relationship to each other broke, all the way to the point when Jesus comes back to perfect his creation again. From all of that moment, all of that time... His creation is still broken, even today, right now. In fact, we are all broken. Me too. We're all broken. You know, that brokenness shows up in so many different ways. That brokenness shows up in our choices, It shows up in our habits. It can show up in addictions. It can show up uh, even in our relationships, sex outside of marriage. It can show up in our marriage. It can show up in other relationships that you have in your life. It can show up as brokenness between your relationship, between you and your children, you and your coworkers. It shows up in so many, many different ways. Even shows up in all of our personal problems. Because we are broken. And we live now in a broken creation. So we have replaced God's truth and God's grace, we have replaced that with guilt and shame. And do you know that every single generation since that time, starting with Adam and Eve, every single generation since then, in one way or another, has been trying to get back to perfection as they have defined perfection. And get this. No one, no one single person And no one single generation since then has ever been able to get there. They have never, they have never been satisfied since then. Because everything is still broken today. You know this, even the church is broken today. Now, even though many churches are following Jesus and trying to follow Jesus, they're still broken today, the church is. Uh, let me give you some examples. In an effort to see broken people begin to be healed in their lives and in their relationships, some churches become what you could call all-grace churches. All grace churches, they attract many, 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 many people. And sometimes those churches can fill stadiums and arenas. Now, that's not to say that everybody that fills a stadium or an arena is an all grace church. That's not what I'm saying. But there are some who are all grace churches, and they attract many, many, many people. And there's a reason for that. Because an all-grace church is working really hard to make everybody feel okay about their brokenness. The all-grace church looks away as somebody is continuing to make really bad choices in their life. And they're continuing to fail over and over and over again. They're continuing to fall over and over and over again. And the church just looks away because they want them to feel okay and to continue to come and to continue to participate. They want them to feel okay about their brokenness. In the All Grace Church, it's just understood. It's not really ever stated out loud, but it's just understood that anything goes. In your life, anything goes. Whatever life choices you're making, it's okay. It's just between you and God. Anything goes. Everything is okay. The All Grace Church, it actually gives you a license. It gives you a license to say, I love you, God, but this is just who I am, so I'm going to live my life this way. I love you, God, but I'm okay with being broken and just living the way I'm going to live. I love you, God, but I'm going to still make my decisions my way. I love you, God, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. And the All Grace Church gives you a license to do that. And this just happens to be, as far as churches go, it's a very broken system. It's a system of trying to get close to God because anything goes, and if every lifestyle And every pathway, if that is okay, this is a very important point. Don't let me lose you on this. If every lifestyle, every choice, every decision ultimately is okay, then that means Jesus lied to us. If every path that we choose, if God is okay with that, because God just understands our brokenness and he's okay with us walking that path... If that is okay, that makes Jesus a liar. Because you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the path. I am the life. It's not what your brokenness is choosing. No, 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 no. He said, I am the way. And so if an all-grace church actually says it's okay to say I love you God and then just go live the way you want to live and make the choices you want to make, then that church is actually leading that person not closer to God. They're actually leading that person away from God. That's significant. But there are other broken churches, not just the all-grace church. For some churches, in an effort to see lives beginning to change, some churches can be called all truth churches. All truth churches. And an all truth church, nothing oh, nothing gets by them. And an all church truth uh-uh. in an all truth church, people are actually called out when they fail or when they fall. It's not uncommon for a pastor to look at them while he's teaching. And in that case, not a lot of teaching, it's a lot of preaching. And it's not uncommon for the pastor to look out there and point and call them out in the All Truth Church. Some people when they fail or when they fall in the all-truth church, they're actually called up to the front. And they're demanded, if they want to be a part of that church, to confess to the entire church what they've done and ask for forgiveness. And if they don't, then, well, they're not welcome back until they do. That's the all-truth church. In the all-truth church, the rules reign. And, more importantly, the law, the rules, but their favorite, maybe not all of them, but their favorite laws rule. And you know, nothing slips by because everyone is watching. I mean, they are looking for it. The truth, church, holds so tightly to the rules, so very tightly, that they become uncaring. They become ultimately unforgiving. And in an effort to see people's lives change, they begin to heap even more guilt and more shame upon the people who fail and who fall. And do you know what that also does? That leads the entire church, really, into hiding. Because they start hiding their sin and their bad decisions and their own personal bad choices, and they start pointing At others. So they hide their own. And they point at the others. That's the all truth church. You see truth. With no grace. Pushes a person. Out of relationships. And it heaps on. The guilt. And it heaps on the shame. But. Grace with no truth, that doesn't work either. Grace with no truth, it is all relationship, but there's no direction. And when Adam and Eve committed that very first sin, they lost their perfect relationship with God. And might I really say, they lost Their relationship with God. They lost in that moment their relationship with grace and the perfect combination of truth. They lost that. And in that moment, God knew it was coming. This was no surprise, no shock to God. God put into action His plan in that moment to begin the process of restoring His creation to restore it to the perfect combination of grace and truth. And that is still going on today. He has been restoring that relationship since Adam and Eve sinned. And it is all a part of His timeline. We are on God's restoration timeline today. We are not in a holding pattern. We are not just waiting. We are on that timeline today. And He is in the process of restoring his perfect combination of a relationship to him, grace and truth together. And God's plan led to this very moment that I'm going to read to you in just a second. It led to this very moment. I want you to listen to what John had to say as he describes this moment, this point in time. God's plan of action, here it is. John chapter 4, I'm sorry, John chapter 1 verse 14. The Word, which is God, that is Jesus, Jesus, God. The Word became flesh and took residence among us. In other words, God came to live right here among us as Jesus. We observed His glory The glory as the one and the only Son from the Father. Now there's one of our hints there of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And here, listen to this description. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father. And he's describing Jesus, who is God here. Full, Jesus, full of what? Grace and truth. Now, when you go to verse 17, it talks more about this. Listen to this, verse 17. For the law, now, the law in this moment right here, what he's talking about was the law of Moses. The law is completely void, absent absent of grace. The law is all, what would you say? Truth. That's all the law is, all truth truth no grace for the law was given through Moses now listen to this so that was part of God's redemptive plan all truth no grace the law but grace and truth came through who Jesus Christ why Through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is. Grace and truth. Because Jesus. Is God. God's plan. Was to bring. His creation. Back into a relationship. With grace and truth. Back into a relationship with God. Back into a relationship. With Jesus Christ, that's his redemptive plan. And that, a relationship with Jesus Christ brings us back into a relationship with grace and truth. Not just the law, which is all truth. With Jesus, who is grace and truth. So, Grace and truth brings us into a right relationship in our lives, first with God, and then with others. That's how it works. Grace and truth. I'm sorry, I'm having to make an adjustment because I'm hearing something there. So it brings us back into a right, right relationship, first with God and then with other people. And still today, in our churches today, and in our church here, still today, we are striving for the grace of Jesus in this church to bring real safety to the people who walk into this building and walk into this church who are the people of Stuttgart Harvest Church. We are striving to have the grace of Jesus But grace in this church that is combined, combined equally with the truth of Jesus. Which when we combine the the grace of Jesus with the truth of Jesus, the way God would have us do it here at Stuttgart Harvest Church, when we do that, the result is intimacy in the church. It's intimacy with God, and it is intimacy in our our relationships with each other. The marriage of grace and truth. I, I want to tell you something that I have felt from the very beginning, and when I say I have felt, I believe, that God has bent my heart in this direction. That's why I want to share this with you. From the very beginning of Stuttgart Harvest Church, I have felt that there will be the day when on any given Sunday, there will be about 500 people who come in and through this building. This building is not the church. They will come in and through this building, part of the people who make up Stuttgart Harvest Church. I have felt that from the very beginning, and I want to share this with you too. I believe then that 500 people will one day become a 1,000. That is the reason God moved us out of a movie theater into this building. It was God's plan, God's design. And we are in the process. I believe that's going to happen. It's people like me and you who just raised our hands, who have been at times in our lives, and some of us right now at this very moment, we have been broken But we are in the process of experiencing the safety of the grace of Jesus. And at the same time, we are in this church, this group of people called Stuttgart Harvest Church, we are also experiencing the truth of Jesus as He is changing our lives. He is repairing us. He is rearranging our priorities. Some of you, this very day, made it a point to be here in this room when it would have been a whole lot easier to be somewhere else. But you arranged your priorities. Your priorities are arranged in such a way that you came here for a very specific purpose at a very specific time. God is rearranging your priorities. You are in the process of changing. Do you realize? this truth of Jesus combined with this grace, the truth side, Jesus does not want to leave us in the broken condition in which He finds us. He doesn't want to leave us there. He's not going to leave us in the same place He found us. That's the truth of Jesus coming in and beginning to change our lives. It's the grace of Jesus that attracted us the first time, probably for most of us. And that combined with His truth is in the process of changing us. I have experienced the safety in my own life, the safety of God's grace. I've experienced that. And still... Today, this very day, as I sit here right now, this very day, I am being changed by the truth of Jesus. His intimate truth. He's still changing me. In fact, my most difficult days in my life did not happen before I became a believer in Jesus, before I I surrendered my life to Jesus. They did not happen. My most difficult days did not happen before I gave my life over to the care and the control of God. The most difficult days in my life have happened since then. And I would say that could be true for many of us. I don't know your story, perhaps. But we live in a broken world. And we are broken people. Me too. After I did become a follower of Jesus, God kind of changed the whole direction of my life. My course, the course, the plan for my life. I was, it was very clear to me that God was leading me into a full-time career of, we don't have a career of following Jesus in the ministry. We have a career of ministry and serving, and, uh, and that was what he called me into. It was very clear to me, and I spent 17 years of my life, as what you would call a student pastor or a student minister. I worked with teenagers for 17 years. In fact, I saw myself, I thought one day I would retire as a youth minister, as an old man, gray hair, still running around with teenagers and teaching them about the grace and truth of Jesus. That's where I saw myself, but that's not what happened. As I, uh, after about 15 years in student ministry, I began to notice something. I began to notice that my teenagers, as they would graduate um, high school and move into what we would call the adult ministry or the adult side of church, I began to realize that, not, that a vast majority of them who were very active as a student, very active as a teenager, when they graduated, moved into their 20s, then moved into their 30s, those students were drifting away from the church. And again, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people. They would drift away from the church. And God gave me a passion, began to grow that passion, the very same passion I had to reach and connect teenagers with God and a local body called the church. God began to change my heart, to shift my heart and look at the young adults who were out there who were not connected to God not connected to a local church he changed my passion and in that two year span from being 15 years as a student pastor to 17 years God began to prepare me for a a a career change still ministry but a different angle he began to prepare me to become a church starter which means I would move to an area and uh, we would start a church from basically nothing, just a handful of people who would join together and we would go out and, and we would launch and start a church. And so that's what happened. God sent me, after 17 years of being a student pastor, he sent me off to begin starting churches. And God gave me a a giant vision in that, for me anyway, I don't know about for you, but it was for me. He gave me a giant vision of what could be, and perhaps even in that moment, in that time, in that place, what should be. And I began working towards that giant vision that God called me toward, and I began working towards that with humility. I began working towards that with energy and excitement. I pursued the vision of starting churches for people who had given up on God or given up on church. And I chased that vision, I chased that dream in the only way I knew how, as a human, for me, in my shoes, at my time, at my place there, and all I knew how to do it was approach it from who I was, hardly the workaholic. And I I had been a workaholic my whole life. I thought I thought I had a bad work ethic because when I was a teenager, I absolutely hated mowing the yard. I didn't realize that that had nothing to do with a work ethic, because I did it anyway. But when I got into something that I loved, that I was passionate about, I I gave it everything. That's all I knew how to do. And again, I was broken. Pastors are broken. Student ministers are broken. I I was broken. I approached starting this church the only way I knew how, and that was as a workaholic. I, I just thought my days were long as a student minister, which they were. I was a workaholic then, too. And God took my brokenness, and he used it anyway. That's weird. Because I didn't grow those student ministries. I didn't do, I didn't grow those. That was God. I couldn't have. I did not grow any church that I've ever started. God did that. He used my brokenness. And I was a workaholic. I took my workaholic tendencies. Here's how I learned that. You know what I always taught? My mentor, one of, one of my mentors taught me this directly, face-to-face, his words to me. You give hardly, you give everything you have to God and to this ministry. And God will raise your family. And in my heart, I was saying, no, 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 that, that's not Right. In my heart, I didn't say this out loud. In my heart, I was saying, no, 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 you're wrong. That is not right. But you know what? That's what I had been doing my whole career. And I took that and moved it into church starting. And so that's all I knew how to do was to give it my all. And I was trusting God to raise my family. And I gave him everything I had. My all. My all of my brokenness, he had it. My workaholic days starting a church, nothing compared. I was still a workaholic as a student minister, but my days as a church starter, as a pastor starting churches, they they turned into this. Almost every single day, seven days a week, I worked between 15 and 17 hours a day. Every single day, seven days a week. thats That's all I knew. And like I said, God chose in his providence somehow to allow a broken person to be a part of that with broken priorities, with broken, messed up thinking that that was okay. He allowed me to do it. And guess what? In God's providence, God blessed that anyway. And people were being reached. People who had given up on God were connecting to God. People who had given up on church were reconnecting with God and the church. And even though the results to my family were damaging, and even though the results to my own health were damaging, and even though the results to my marriage were damaging, in God's providence, in His understanding, I don't know why He blessed it. Anyway. You see, as I was focusing on connecting people to God and connecting people to the church, my focus was building a, a structure for a church um, that that my part of it was developing the teaching. The, the presentation, how people are taught in the church, that was my part. Developing the teaching and developing the structure to allow people to come in and experience that grace and experience that truth. That's what I was working on. That was my, my part. That's what I was focusing on. And at the same time, I was focusing all of my energy on that. I had someone else who came alongside and they were working on handling the financial systems of the church. I, I, part of my thinking was this. And this came from some wisdom I got from some people who I believe were wise. And I still practice some elements of this today. But my, my thinking of that was, I don't, as the, the, the lead pastor, I did not want to directly handle the money of the church Because I didn't want anyone to be able to look at me and accuse me of, of Harley, you you have mishandled that. You have used something in that for personal gain or something in in a way that, that may not be the best and it makes you look suspect. So I wanted to stay well away from that. I did my best to stay away from that. So someone came alongside of me and they began handling those systems. So my name was not on any bank account. For the church and my uh I could not sign checks for the church, I could not pay the for the church um, I stayed away from that on purpose, and the church was reaching the church was teaching, and lives were changing. exactly not exactly but so close to the the way that i saw that what god had said this is what you're to go do and this is how it's going to look and and we were seeing that but with me the workaholic spending all of my energy and my time and my focus working hard to not be in direct contact with the finances and the money. Someone came alongside of me, and they didn't really want the job, but they were willing. They weren't asking for it, but they were willing. And it ended up actually being too much. To handle too much for them to manage, and in their effort to handle that, and in their effort to to uh, to control that not in a in a I'm in the boss kind of way, but just to 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 handle everything in their effort to do that. And they were losing control. They never really told me the truth about what was going on. And I checked in what seems to me in my recollection almost every single day. And they didn't give me the information. They were trying to handle it. The things would come up. They were trying to handle it. And so they never really told me the truth. And the pit they were in was getting deeper. The hole was getting Bigger. And they never really told me about it. So while we were pouring all of our energy and the staff, all of our energy into pursuing the vision of church that God had given us and growing people in a relationship with Christ, the church was severely being financially undermanaged, mismanaged. I began to discover. Tiny little pieces of this seems like day by day or every every week something new would come up, and I would be like that that doesn't sound right. I would ask about it I was told something i was it was deflected it was transfer it, it was and daily I would just it seems like then I would begin to discover little things that just didn't seem right, it didn't sound right, didn't look right what And I would see inconsistencies. I would see problems. I began to discover that I was being misled. I I began to discover that at times too even, I was being lied to. I I I believed the misdirection that I was given because I was busy pursuing the vision over here slowly, I began slipping, with all of this mounting information, I began slipping into a deep, 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 dark place. I was still functioning day in and day out. I was still a workaholic. I didn't know, really. For myself what depression was I didn't know that I didn't know about it by this time it just was normal that feeling that place where I was emotionally it was just normal that was my day I, I, I lived with this I don't even know how long I'm not sure maybe three months maybe six months I'm not exactly sure At one time, at one of my very lowest points for me, for reasons that only a a psychologist could explain, because I certainly can't, one afternoon I crawled into my closet. I know this sounds bizarre and crazy, but I crawled into my closet. I buried myself under all the luggage in the bottom of my closet, and there I stayed for the rest of the night. I was in a dark place. I was broken. I was that boy who was drowning. I was nearing the point in my life where if things continued, I would not be able to function. If they got worse and about a week or two later it got worse there was a knock on my door i i got up from my desk i had a home office i got up from my desk i went and i answered the door and there in front of me stood a, a government official who looked very official They don't smile. They don't joke. They, it was very serious. And I was completely 100% unaware of the allegations towards the church, the finan- these financial allegations. I was completely unaware because letters had been intercepted. Letters were read, possibly some of them, but we even found some letters, I found some letters that had never even been opened, they had just been hid. Standing there in that moment, talking to that government official. Things that had never been taken care of, that should have been taken care of. It seemed in that moment that there was so much and that the hole was so deep that within hours, just hours of that moment of that conversation at the front door, something very dark and very deep began to steer my thoughts and began to steer my life. And began to steer my decisions. Later on. As I evaluated. What took place over the next 24 hours. As I looked at that. And I evaluated. The decisions. The actions. The thoughts. The depth of those feelings and the depth and darkness of those emotions was something that a pastor would never recover from. I never went back. That was it. I was broke. Didn't go back again. Never went back to the church again. How, how do you recover? You don't. on this side of heaven. I still love the church. The pe- that's the people. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't know if they love me. I love them. I love the church. I still pray for the church. I encourage the church. But I never went back. I had to love them from a distance, and I never went back. I actually went on a sabbatical, which means they were paying me to not be there. Not because they, they, and that was because they did care. And the purpose was for me to allow God to take this brokenness, And to begin to heal this broken workaholic. And that's what God began to do. God, in His providence. which means God knows what's coming. God knows no surprises to God. He knows the future. He knows what's coming. God in his providence. Because listen, I at that point I'm on sabbatical. I was finished with ministry. Didn't want to go back and be a student pastor. I was done. Didn't want to go be a church starter. I was done. Did not want to be in ministry. I was done. Now, I was not done with God, I was done with ministry, vocation, ministry. I was done. But God wasn't done. I was done, but God wasn't done with me. God in His providence, um, He connected me with a handful of people who were desiring to start a church for people who had given up On God giving up on church. And God sent me to Stuttgart to be a part of that. I I wasn't, you know, he didn't drag me kicking and screaming. But he did drag me a little bit with my heels dug in. Because it was going to have to be overwhelming to me that this was his plan. Because I, I, I didn't want a part of it. And God began to, He began to do something special. Not because of me. I was broke down. And really not even because of the launch team who came together to do this. Because we're all broken. He didn't do something because of me. He didn't really do something because of them. He did something because this was His plan. This was His idea. This this was His church. And the church was accepting people with the grace of Jesus who had given up God, given up on church, and the church was accepting them. But the church wasn't wanting to leave them the same way they were being found because that's where the truth of Jesus came in and the truth of Jesus was changing them. church was becoming a soul hospital. A hospital for the souls of men and the souls of women and the souls of teenagers and the souls of children. A soul hospital. God showed up. And God was using the safety of His grace with the intimacy of His truth And seeing lives changed. And little did I know. Little did I know. That the very soul hospital. That God was using us. To to launch. And using us to build. Would be the very soul hospital. That God would use to care for me. In a very short time. I didn't know what was coming, but God did. And He knew it would happen here in Stuttgart. And He sent me there to build the very sole hospital that would eventually care for me. Once again, my life would be devastated, nearly destroyed. One spring, I came home from my day job out at the station, the Rice Research Extension Station. As I walked in the door, everything was strangely quiet, and sitting on the counter was a can of SpaghettiOs sitting on top of a note. And within the note, it contained this phrase, I don't want to be the one of a pastor any longer Now I don't tell you that to cast blame I don't tell you that to point fingers at someone now that's not why I tell you I just simply tell you that because that is now and forever will be a part of my story after almost 24 years of marriage which the vast majority of those years, at least 20 of those years, I was a full-blown workaholic. And that's how I lived my life. And perhaps, perhaps the damage was just too great over that 20-something years. And perhaps the emotional cost of starting a church starting churches with a recovering workaholic even at this point now recovering maybe that was cost was just too too high but once again in that moment my life was never going to be the same And I didn't personally know any pastor, myself, I didn't know any pastor whose ministry would survive that. They would be done. They would be gone. But you, Stuttgart Harvest Church, had created a hospital for souls. And you became the hospital for my soul. I didn't know that was coming, but God did. God was aware. And God allowed that to be part of Stuttgart Harvest Church. A church who was exactly what my life would need to to save my physical life, to save me. And many of you were part of that. He took my life that was over, my life that was through. He took my life that once again was finished. He took the ministry now that I saw that was over, And once again, God was not through with me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do do you hear what I'm saying? That God has taken a, a broken down, a beat up, messed up life. And he has restored me. He has renewed me. Jesus has taken me. When I was drained of life, He has taken me and He infused me with life. His life. You hear what I'm saying? God will do that In your life as well. Right here. Maybe even beginning right now. All because he placed upon the the hearts of a handful of people. The desire to create a new church. A new kind of church. A new kind of heart hospital. That accepts broken and hurting people. But he doesn't leave them the same way he found them. He changes them. Just like he is still in the process of changing me. Now please don't miss this. All of that comes down to this right now. You. 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 You you. You are here for a purpose. A purpose that goes beyond your heart. A purpose that goes beyond your brokenness. Even a purpose that goes beyond your soul. God now has you here in this moment for the souls around you. It goes beyond you. God has you here to love them the way Jesus loves them. He has you here for a purpose. He wants you to accept them broken and all the way He accepts them. But He doesn't want you to leave there. He wants you to share with them the amazing grace, and the amazing truth of Jesus. So now, you, Stuttgart Harvest Church, you are here for the souls of men and women and teenagers and children all around you, who you are probably already connected to in your life. And together, together if you, yes, you and you and you and you and you, together, if you will join me, we can see 500 lives changing one day, a thousand lives changing, being changed day in and day out, every week through Stuttgart Harvest Church. My part is to join you in this effort. That's my part. My part is to do what I'm asking you to do. My part is to join you in being the hands and the feet of Jesus. I have another part to prepare so that I can teach the truth and the grace of Jesus. I have another part that is to join the staff as we try to, under God's leadership, develop a structure that allows people to come in and meet Jesus and allows them to change under His truth. But I join you And being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Here's what that means. As I'm saying this, I'm going to ask the band to come up, but please don't lose me. And we're going to do all of the songs. We're going a few minutes long today. Please don't leave. Here's what I'm asking Will you join me? Every week, every week, will you verbalize the grace of Jesus to someone? Someone you probably already know that is not connected to a church every single week. Maybe they go once every two months or once every six months. I don't know. But will you verbalize the grace of Jesus every single week to someone in your life? just simply telling them you are a loved creation of God will you come with me sit beside me you are a loved creation of God will you come and sit beside me and then I'm going to ask you to do this second thing every single week will you verbalize The truth of Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Will you tell them in your own words something like this. God is changing me still. He doesn't want to leave me the way He found me. And God will change you too. Come and see. Will you do that? This is your part. Will you do that with me? I'm going to ask you to do something we have never asked you to do. This is not for guilt. This is not for shame. This is not for coercion. If God is speaking to your heart right now at this moment, Will you, and he's saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Yes, do these two things. If God is speaking to your heart the way he has spoken to mine, I'm just simply, you're, I'm not going to ask you to do anything physically this morning beyond this. If God is speaking to your heart, will you simply stand right where you are? Will you join me? No pressure. Please, this is not something where if I sit down, I'm saying, oh, I hate hate Jesus, I hate God. Just simply saying, will you join me in what God is doing through Stuttgart Harvest Church. And you may be here as part of another church. And guess what? I'm going to let you know, this is what God wants you to do at your church. You are here today, not on accident. None of us are. Now, I, I I can't see everybody. I, I don't know. There may be some who are not standing, and that is okay. This is not guilt. This is not shame. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. As I pray, I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we sing these next songs. I am so sorry I've gone long, but here here's the deal. I'm going to ask you, as the words come up on this screen, Will you worship the God of grace and the God of truth who accepts you but doesn't leave you broken? He'll change you. Let's pray. Jesus, you were the Word. You were God and you became flesh and you lived among us. And the world observed your glory, and you came to us full of what we lost. You came to us full of grace and full of truth. And now, Jesus, we can experience the perfect mix of grace and truth again. And it is found in an eternity-long, life-changing relationship with you, Jesus. But you have not left us here to simply be improved versions of what we once were. Jesus, you have us here for more than our own souls. You have us here for the souls of everyone we know. We already know those 500 people. We already know who they are. We just need to simply extend your grace and extend your truth to them. We already know them. Jesus, will You help us every day, every week. May we be focused on seeing the souls around us connected to You. Jesus, send us out. Jesus, save the brokenhearted, Heal the broken down lives. And keep healing our own broken lives, Jesus. And we ask You to do everything which we have prayed, that is in accordance with your plans. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, we pray these things. Amen.